Well, thank you everybody so much for joining it. It is 4.14 p.m. on March the 22nd, 2009. That would be the Sunday. And thank you so much to uh, Brain Police, with whom I had a rousing debate about ethics, libertarianism, and UPB last night. He has uh, written some post-critical and um, uh, articles critical of UPB, so we took a step through the objections, and uh, it was very enjoyable. Uh, it was, in fact, my terrible mistake, though. Uh, it was Brain Police, uh, a.k.a. Alex, who showed up to do the debate. I thought it was the Dream Police, and he was going to pull every kind of cheap trick in the book. Oh, snap, if you get that joke, you're too old to listen to this show. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for joining. I wanted to um, uh, mention uh, this is nothing to do with any kind of self-praise, but uh, as a way of reminding uh, the gorgeous, wonderful, talented uh, listeners that uh, you know we get uh, we get some flack and we get some negativity in this conversation, but uh, you don't really get a chance to see all of the positive feedback I get, um, and so I, I thought I would just. This is just uh, over the last two days or so, or three days, uh, a sort of selection of uh, the emails I get. Uh, at least a half a dozen of these kinds of emails a day. And uh, you can see uh, some of these uh, comments on the Freedom Main Radio YouTube channel, which uh, has comments that, that are posted to the channel as a whole, as opposed to individual uh, videos. Uh, there are close to 6,000 subscribers to Freedom Main Radio on YouTube. Um, uh, I think we're close to 1.2 million views as a whole this week. Uh, sorry, last week, I think it was the 16th of March. We had over 111 gigabytes of podcasts downloaded. Now, a lot of that was the monster file for the New Hampshire speech, but that still is by far, or not by far, but the largest I think we've had before is 90 uh, gigabytes. So that's something which is uh, just fantastic. And again, you know, there's some self-praise I think we can have about this, the persistence and sharing of the conversation that we've uh, done. But I think that it's well worth, uh, you know, giving ourselves a pat on the back for that, uh, for that kind of stuff. Uh, almost 200,000 people have viewed the channel at, uh, at Free Domain Radio, which is, uh, which is good. It's, it's, that's the easier one to measure than uh, podcast downloads and so on, which gets to be uh, channeling, uh, ch challenging. So, uh, that having been said, uh, this is a, a note. These are a couple of notes that I got from donations from donors over the past few days. Um, one guy sent me uh, a nice donation and he said, I skipped a casino visit, so you're lucky tonight. And I have more pleasure by watching your videos. A win-win situation, I guess, with a smiley face. Uh, another donator wrote, Steph, the podcast just keep getting better and better. I've been listening to 1288. Over and over, I've been seeing a counselor through my EAP at work, and I think you've saved me a lot of time in getting to the real problems I need to deal with. Thank you so much for everything. Um, hello, Steph. I made this donation prior to activating my FDR account. I'd like to know if I could apply to my if it could apply to my donator status level. I really enjoy FDR. Uh, it's made a hugely positive impact on my life. Thank you so much. Uh, another. Uh, donator wrote, thank you for relentlessly promoting and publishing these ideas over the past two and a half months listening to your podcast series has helped me walk out of the cage of nihilism. Thank you for speaking the truth that I knew to be true, but that nearly everyone around me dismissed, chided or pretended did not exist. This fellow went into therapy too, which is great. Um, uh, just emails, uh, a couple of emails over the last few days. Uh, these were pretty much selected at random. Uh, hi, Stephen, you know, because... 
it's uh, getting my name right is, is a lot more challenging than UPB. I just wanted to thank you so much for your work. You've really helped me to expand my perspective on many issues. I personally crave the truth, and I've never come across a site such as yours that gives such a complete overview of how the human condition really is. I feel your work is very important. So with my thanks, I would like to give you my encouragement to continue your intelligent, honest, and very important work. And um, from the uh, YouTube channel, uh, excellent, 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 excellent information out of truth. Uh, some guy posted, you, my friend, have a skyscraping intellect. God bless. Fight the good fight. Another guy wrote, love your philosophy videos. I just want to say that I enjoy watching your posts on ethics. It was very interesting and educational. Uh, thank you. Another guy wrote, uh, a man or woman wrote, I've watched pretty much all your videos in a very short time span. The premises you put forward are so simple and easy to understand, but unfortunately get covered with, with the aesthetics put forth in society, your methods to analyze and decipher, quote, complex issues, scientific method, are also simple and amazing. I've been spreading your ideas to people who seem willing to listen, and I constantly use your ideas and methods in debates with others, and I have gotten more and more people addicted over time. The addicted is in quotes. I will definitely buy all of your books. Uh, once I get another job, you're doing a great service with the Enlightenment, and I hope you continue to make videos. Uh, another guy wrote uh, on the channel, the 9-11 video was excellent, a pivotal video for everyone. Sad to see it go. Oh, he guessed because I had to delete it and reproduce it. It put a majorly important perspective on the 9-11 conspiracy. And uh, videos have been doing quite well. We're getting about 5,000 video views a day, which uh, I think is is pretty good. Uh, frankly, I think that's actually um, really good. Uh, 100, I said 150,000 video views uh, a month. Uh, that's, to me, um, fantastic. Uh, of course, the big hit is the Matrix video, uh, which is, uh, of course, uh, very, uh, very popular. I'm just going to check the numbers here, but it's some monster. And it's 120,000. I think that, um, uh, that people have... Uh, have downloaded, which I think is is just great, and uh, just see the next most popular one. Yeah, most popular is the True News Thirteen status of Mr. Dead Part Three with one hundred and twenty thousand views. Job interview still skills is still cooking at fifty five thousand views. True News Fifteen status of Mr. Dead forty three thousand. The Truth About 30, Voting thirty two thousand. Procrastination twenty one thousand, uh, and it sort of goes from there, and. Uh, Purepras, <laughs> Purepras, the existencia de Dios, uh, is uh, number 10. Uh, so <laughs> that's great. I've had a bunch of people who are working on, um, uh, who are working on uh, translating uh, some of the more popular videos into other languages, either with subtitles or with alternate audio tracks, which I think would be great. So I say this uh, just to, to remind everyone of the view that uh, other people, uh, you, you, sitting right there, might not see very much of, which is the uh, positive feedback that comes in uh, and certainly gives my spirits a lift and uh, I hope also uh, helps with your spirits as well. So I just wanted to mention that because we do seem to be a little bit, uh, you know, it's all gunfire and no sunrises. So I just wanted to give you a peek of, uh, of that. So uh, that's it for uh, the introduction. Shockingly short. Uh, everything is um, uh, doing fine here. Isabella is uh, doing wonderfully, and we are doing wonderfully. And uh, I will throw a few pictures into the um, uh, into the chat window so people can see. And uh, uh, so I uh, now uh, pop, pass it all along to you, 
And uh, thank you so much for listening as always. Thank you to the donators and, of course, the delicious subscribers. And uh, I hope that um, uh, you feel that you're getting your money's worth. Oh, one other thing, too. We are waiting for the video of the New Hampshire speech. There is a new copy of the audio that is out there that was recorded from the PA system. And so the audience questions are much clearer. And the uh, audio as a whole is uh, is much, much better. And uh, so I hope that uh, you will get a chance to... Uh, uh, to listen to that, it is uh, it is really good. I'll post that in the uh, uh, I will post that in the um, in the chat window as well if that uh, if that helps. So over to you, uh, listeners. All righty. So. Um, the Dream Factory's been working a little overtime lately, and uh, I just thought I would uh, toss a short one out there um, for a little um, little bit of uh, your insight, if you would. Yeah, can you, uh, do you have it written down at all? or? Sure do. Uh, let me get the link. Um, I think the one that I want... You to look at. Hang on, let me get the specific. It would be number three in this list here. Unless you think one of the other ones is more interesting. Those all came in last night. Okay. Why don't you read it, and that way uh, people who don't have it or in the future will be able to uh, to hear it. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm uh, walking around in a very large city. I'm standing on the sidewalk at the corner. There are attack helicopters everywhere flying between the rows and columns of buildings, firing guns and dropping bombs. The city is in a state of pandemonium. The streets are clogged with drivers trying to escape. Men and women are running everywhere frantically. I realize at some point I'm standing with my father and my brother John. Another thing I notice is that the bombs being dropped by the attack helicopters don't explode on impact. They hit the ground and uh, bounce around for a while before they explode. Uh, it seems like they're mistimed for this altitude. So I take it upon myself to collect up the ones dropping near us and then run down a relatively unoccupied street or alley and chuck them as hard as I can down the street. During this process, I remember looking around at the women uh, running down the streets and thinking to myself, um, now's really not the time for that. At some point, I run down an alley filled full of Nazi soldiers, all sitting on crates around a large uh, sort of makeshift campfire. I have an extremely large bomb in my hands at the time. I decide to try killing them. I slam the nose of the bomb into the pavement to try and break up the innards. Uh, the bombs are all shaped like cylindrical projectiles with uh, round tips and fins on the back. You know, like you see in the cartoons. I'm hoping that it will detonate more quickly that way. Uh, then I toss it into the group of Nazis. It hits the pavement 
with a clatter, bounces off one of the crates, and lands at the feet of one of the Nazis. They all turn and look at me, and I think to myself, oh, shit, I've had it now. And then the dream ends. All right. All right. A very large city. How do you know it's a very large city? You mean just because high buildings, you're like downtown? Now, maybe it could be that uh, this particular scene is better understood in the context of the other three dreams that I had last night as well, but I just thought I'd try that particular image in partic- uh, specifically to see if there's anything that we could get out of it. All right. Um, let me just check here. I just want to check with the people. That I'm happy to do four dreams. Uh, um, uh, it's been a while since we've done some dreams, and it's uh, uh, they're, they're, they're fun and exciting to do. Uh, I just want to check with, because it didn't seem like other Hello? people had a lot of other questions. Uh, sorry, I just wanted to check with the um, with the listeners uh, to see if uh, it's okay if we do a longer. Did we do the set of dreams? It did because there didn't seem to be a lot of other people who had uh, questions. So um, I'm just going to see if. Uh, yeah, okay. So why don't you read the um, the first, second, and fourth uh, dream as well? Okay, sure. Um, okay, so dream number one. Uh, I'm on board a cruise ship that's owned by a Colombian drug lord. Um, my, bo- my brother John and I are spies, and we're trying to infiltrate his operation. Um, uh, at some point, I lose track of where he is on the ship, and I end up working alone for a long stretch. Basically, uh, my job is just to mingle and make small talk with the hundreds of guests on board and collect whatever intelligence I can from those who are there for uh, some sort of celebration, uh, birthday, or something like that. I remember uh, walking around uh, with a mixed drink in my hand, wearing a, a stiff suit and tie, the kind like James Bond would wear in a spy movie. Um, I remember there was a swimming pool on board um, that was, for whatever reason, built into a lower deck of the ship um, so that there was a ceiling and a floor. Because normally those things are like right on the the surface of the ship. Um, I also remember chatting up a bunch of women out on a patio deck. Um, the deck had, you know, the umbrella tables with uh, web chairs and um, waiters walking around with towels over their arms, that sort of thing. I remember this was uh, all at night. There was a full moon and we were out in the middle of the ocean. Uh, I remember being afraid of being caught, um, ostensibly by the drug lord and his goons. Um, as the party uh, begins to wind down, Um, The drug lord meets me uh, in the dining room of the ship. Um, I'm getting ready to sit down and have dinner. Uh, He's figured out that I'm a spy, and I'm incredulous because I'm thinking to myself that there's no way he could have figured it out on his own. Uh, His men take hold of me, um, and they drag me to the deck of the ship, and there they're going to uh, lock me in a wooden crate and throw me overboard. Uh, I, I can see uh, my brother John standing sort of in the background, um, slightly around the corner, uh, watching me, uh, watching this whole scene uh, as the dream ends. 
that uh, particular right. dream. Okay, so I, I don't want to do all. I don't want to. Sorry. Uh, then dream number two. Uh, let's do. These uh, I'm in a shopping mall. Otherwise, we're going to have too much to process. If that's all right. Sure. Sure. Okay. And what happened? Um, I, I hadn't. The day before the um, these dreams. Okay. Yesterday. Um. Yesterday was Saturday. Um. Let's see. I worked all day. Um, you worked uh, at your office job. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I, I, have, I have a Tuesday through Saturday shift, so I end up having to work. Uh, and I was working extra hours too um, yesterday, the day before, um, on, a, on a project that they put me on um, that I was actually kind of happy to be connected to because it was something to keep the mind occupied but anyway uh let's see i remember um i got up a little bit late yesterday because i was kind of tired from the previous two days um uh work was pretty um uneventful nothing really Nothing really bad happened yesterday at work. Um, after work, um, I remember coming home and being so tired that uh, I needed a nap. And so I took a nap for about two hours. At what time? Then I got up. Uh, that would have been about 7.30 my time, roughly. Right, okay. Maybe 8 o'clock. So it's sort of 7.30 to 9.30 or 8.00, um, you had a nap. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, oh, no, no, no. It would have been uh, it would have been about 8 o'clock that I actually got up from the nap. I got home about uh, uh, 4.30, 5 o'clock, somewhere around there. Now, you realize that you're giving me entirely non-dream-related content, right? Right. Well, I'm trying to. Uh, I'm picking my brain you know, trying like, to figure it's out like, what... hey, what happened that might have provoked the dream? Well, I had cabbage soup for lunch. And... <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, well, this is one of the confounding things about these. When these, when I get these dreams in batches, they they don't seem to have anything to do with the days that surround them. And that's fine, right? I mean, this is just the first place we um, look. So let's uh, let's let's dig into the dream if you can't think of anything, and and maybe either something will come up or or it won't, right? But but we'll see, right? Sure. Um, for those who sure. don't know the, this history, and I'll just touch on this briefly, um, uh, your brother, who was an FDR member for a while, uh, you've taken a break, um, and and he's uh, re re rejoined the your family of origin. Uh, if, if, if that's a fairly decent summary, is that right? Yes, that's that's correct. Um, and and just to add some additional co context, um, I, I have been thinking a lot about um, some some of the things that you've said to me um, recently as well, and trying to connect with um, um, my my feelings around. Um, our, our history together, my brother John's history and mine together. So because he shows up, I'm sure that that probably plays pretty heavily. Yeah. Okay. Now, the first thing that yeah, I'm 
Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that probably plays pretty heavily into the first dream and the fourth dream. Right. Now, the first thing that but, strikes me about the first dream so is that um, a Colombian drug lord, right? Uh, and you're there trying to infiltrate his operations, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that is directly against mm-hmm. just about every value that you hold, right? Um, in what way? In what way? Well, you're not for the drug war, right? <laughs> no, certainly not. Right, so not. why no, on earth right. would you be on a ship trying to infiltrate a drug operation? That's a good question. Well, there, was, there didn't seem again, to be I any reason dreams, for, for why I would be doing specific, that in the dream. It's a very specific, right? So... You're not there trying to free a slave ring. You're not there trying to rescue children who are destined to be sold overseas or something, right? It is a non-crime right. that you are investigating or putting yourself into, right? So you must be in the government, right? Which is against your values. Right. You must be right. trying to infiltrate what you would consider a non-crime which is completely against your values, right? Right, right. No, that's exactly correct. The, I mean, it, the, the dream did not specify that I was doing this in some private capacity, that I was literally some kind of um, 007-style government agent. So that would definitely be a, a anti-value for sure. Right. Okay, so yeah. that's that's the that's first right. thing to notice, right? And and the fact that you didn't notice it is is the dream trying to tell you something as well, I would say, suggest. Sure. Sure. Do you see what I mean? Um trying to tell me that there's something I'm doing that's against my values in my waking life. Well, uh, that, because the first, and again, uh, this is none of this is obvious because it's your dream, right? That's why it's important to get other people's uh, feedback, in my opinion. So none of this is particularly obvious, mm-hmm. but. The first thing that, like, when I point it out, it seems obvious, right? That's true. Like, you're working for the government, yeah. you're infiltrating uh, a, 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 a Colombian drug lord, which, which would not even be... A, so, everything you're doing, kind of, is against your values. You're, 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 you're lying, which is what undercover work is, and you're lying in service of an evil agency for a bad cause, Right. Right, acting on false pretenses and and in a high, highly dangerous way. Right, right. Highly dangerous situation. Right. Right, so, and you're putting yourself at risk in the, in the service of a state you don't believe in for a cause that you despise, right? 
Right. No, that's quite right. And this didn't strike you as unusual, right? That's exactly right. Because the first thing to do is to compare well, it the struck values me as that unusual in, in the sense that. Well, sorry, the first thing to do is to compare what's occurring in your dreams to the values and experiences of your waking life. And if there's a disparity, that's important, right? Sure, sure. I agree. Absolutely. But sorry, you were saying something else? Well, I was just going to say it struck me as unusual because I don't usually have these kinds of... I, I don't have dreams about um, war or political intrigue or things like that. So that's why these, this and, and the third dream struck me as particularly unusual. Right. And, and that's, it is unusual, and it is, so it is worth sort of noticing. So good, we've done the first sentence. <laughs> okay, so you, um, you're, trying to infiltrate, you're trying to infiltrate this operation. You lose track of where your brother is on the ship. You end up working alone for a stretch, just mingling and making small talk with the hundreds of guests on board who are all there for some sort of celebration. You say you remember walking around with a mixed drink in my hand, wearing a stiff suit like James Bond. I remember a swimming pool, surprisingly, in a lower level of the ship. Swimming pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember chatting up a bunch of women out on the patio back. Right, because you... Yeah, they're normally outside, right? Because you want the sunlight. Right. So uh, the drunk lord figures out that you are a spy, right? Yeah. Now, it's interesting that you're on a cruise ship as well. Again, nothing in a dream should be taken for granted or as accidental because it's no more accidental than something in a movie, right? Because it is kind of an inner movie, and nothing in a movie is accidental. So uh, a, cru- a cruise ship, as opposed to, it could be anywhere. It could be uh, Chichen Itza. It could be uh, a ziggurat uh, uh, somewhere. It could be a disco. It could be, you know, uh, any, anywhere. But it's a cruise ship, right? Which is right. interesting because there's no escape from a cruise ship, right? That's true. That's true. You're surrounded on all sides. Yeah, you can't. You can't go anywhere. You can't get out. So, so I mean, this is a highly, highly risky operation, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, since the drug lord knew that you were um, a spy, or a, an agent, or a cop, or whatever, um, and you are completely shocked at this then it would seem to me to indicate that he, he, he always knew. Like he knew from when... If you, if you didn't give yourself away by shouting, I'm a spy, while you were on the ship, then it seems likely that he would have known when you came on board, right? That actually resonated, because I, I got the sense when I was writing this dream, Dan, I got the sense that he did always know and that I was just trying to avoid capture if that makes any sense right right so mingling with the guests and all that to kind of stay out of the sight of his goons right 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 that makes sense so um so if that's the case then the whole thing which you think you're you know in a sense being so clever and being so 
devious and subterranean and and that you are the master of the situation, right? Sure. But quite the opposite is true. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Quite the opposite is true. In fact, right. the whole thing and, uh, is a setup. Oh, that's an interesting approach. Well, again, tell me where it's not borne out in the dream, right? But if the guy lets you on his boat, knowing you're a spy, lets you circulate and mingle with his guests, and then confronts you near the end, then it's a setup, right? Right, that would make sense. And and in a sense, kind of by waiting until the end, uh, using me as some sort of an example. Right? right. Now, here's the question. How did they know that you were a spy, mm -hmm. but not your brother? That I don't have a clear answer for. Um, he was there at the beginning of the stream, um, and then he just kind of faded away, and then he was there at the end of the dream, and I knew he was connected somehow, but I don't know I don't I don't know exactly how, whether he told them or um whether he was already in league with them or or what it was, but I, I knew that uh, he was involved in some way. But I remember also when I was originally like exposed, um the, I did not have like in in the dreams I didn't have a, the thought oh well John must have told them. I didn't I didn't have that thought. It was just sort of like what? how could you know? Right. And the fact that he right. disappears for a time and then you are quote apprehended would certainly mm -hmm. m make it suspicious, mm -hmm. right? Right, right, exactly. And the fact that... Anyone course, watching not, a movie like into, that would immediately yeah, suspect Yeah, anyone who's him, like, right? oh, he's vanished and then I'm caught. And of course, he's not intervening when you're being thrown into this wooden crate, right? Right, he's just watching from a distance. Okay, so let's... Um, uh, let's uh, again. I'm not saying we've solved that whole dream to begin with, but I think we've gotten some themes, and let's see if uh, the second dream uh, follows those up. Right. So the second dream, uh, I'm in a shopping mall with a bunch of other guys. We're all in our 20s or 30s, and we're all best friends, kind of like uh, one of those um, college buddy movie kind of things, right? Um, all the stores are closed. It's nighttime, um, sorry, but the hallways of the mall are bustling with. No, these are all strangers. That, uh, thinking back on the dream, they're all strange faces to I me. Mean, I've never seen them before. But in the dream, I know who they are. They're all best friends of mine, and we're all kind of pals. Right. Okay. If that makes any sense. Yeah. So. Um, it, it's nighttime, all the stores are closed, but the hallways in the mall are bustling with other men and women all our age. Uh, we're trying to find a spot that we can sort of uh, cordon off as our own 
home base inside the mall. Uh, eventually, we stumble across an alcove that, to me, feels a little bit like a mausoleum or shrine room. Um, it's it's a very large and round. Um, it has fancy plaster work on the walls uh, all along the lower half, and there's kind of a um, a chair rail in the center made of plaster with all kinds of ornamentation on it. I didn't put that in the text, but I'm just adding that as a detail I'm remembering now. Um, and there's a heavy Victorian wallpaper in a rose pattern on the upper half of the wall. Um, there's one entrance leading in and out uh, of the alcove to the mall, and the hall is wide enough to accept uh, two people standing side by side. Um, I and the group um, rush around the mall, gathering up all the decorator furniture in the mall hallways. You know, they have those different those leather chairs and easy chairs and and um, potted plants and and things like that and footstools and whatnot. And we're we're dragging up all this furniture and we're bringing it back to the alcove to furnish the alcove. Um, the idea is to make it a comfortable spot where um, we, can, we can all mingle and party together with the women in the hallways. Uh, two, two, of, uh, two of us, not, not myself, but two of the people I'm with, uh, sort of stand as sentry to the entrance of the alcove, announcing when anyone attractive comes by and scaring off all the rest of the people. Um, the dream ends as we're deciding how exactly to arrange the furniture in the alcove. Right, okay. And uh, this, this to me, again, not to try to make the facts, the, the, um, the evidence fit theory, but this is very much, again, a contradiction of the values that you hold, right? I mean, creating a lair hmm. in a nighttime mall, which only attractive women are allowed to come into, is not really your idea of what an ideal dating situation would be. In fact, it would be quite the opposite, right? Yeah, yeah. Because when true. you say anyone attractive is coming and that's scaring up the rest, what you mean is that you're trying to create a kind of beer commercial, you know, with uh, only the uh, itsy-bitsy, teeny-beeny, yellow polka-dot bikini women allowed in and the others not, and right, and this is all very much not, uh, you know, how you would approach uh, love and romance yeah. and so on. Yeah, the, you're, when you said that, it really resonated. This, this stream really did have a, of a kind of beer commercial feel to it. Yeah, like a sure. shirt boy kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's Exactly right. Well, and and the fact that uh, this this alcove is is like a mausoleum and a shrine. Uh, that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, a shrine is for worship, and a mausoleum, of course, is for death. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And these two things, in uh, these two things side by side, uh, seems to me that. Uh, there would be kind of a... When you focus on appearance over substance, you are worshipping, but it's kind of dead. Mm -hmm. a, a friend of mine uh, a couple of years ago, um, he and Christina and I were at a mall doing some Christmas shopping. And we were going up this escalator, and there was this huge, like literally 
six stories high advertisement for uh, Victoria's Secrets or something like that. And it was either Penelope Cruz or some Penelope Cruz-like looking woman uh, who was lounging around in uh, a negligee or something like that. And, and my friend, uh, you know, basically said, well, I'll take that for Christmas. And, and he is someone who uh, has this uh, um, veneration or worship or idealization of, you know, sort of classical external physical feminine beauty. Uh, and yet he, he, doesn't, mm -hmm. he doesn't date, right? And uh, there is a kind of, you know, when, when you worship the physical or you worship the, uh, worship the appearance, to me there's a kind of inner deadness around that. Uh, like you can't be stimulated by virtue, so you need shape. You can't be stimulated by personality, so you need tight clothing to look at or, or some sort of classical physical beauty or something like that. It's, it's a need for an overstimulus that, to me, compensates for a lack of emotional connection to someone, if this makes any sense at all. Ah, uh, yeah. That, actually, that does make a lot of sense, yeah. So the fact that it's a shrine mm -hmm. and a mausoleum doesn't seem out of bounds to me because saying, well, we only want the attractive women in here and we're not going to have the unattractive women in here, uh, that's kind of, of a, and because I'm going to put this strongly, and, uh, but, but just for the sake of, of clarity, that's kind of a murder of virtue, right? Well, that's an interesting way to put it, yeah. Because you're saying, like, it doesn't matter whether you're a good or bad person, we just want pretty people, right? It's accidental, and right. quite often, as I've said before, you know, power tends to corrupt, and beauty is a kind of power, and it can have negative consequences that I would consider slightly above average, based on my experience with these kinds of women. Now, of course, knowing them as actresses and so on might be a skewed sample set, but uh, basically what I'm saying is that um, <laughs> there is a kind of... Uh, uh, there, to me, the worship of physical beauty is kind of like a death cult, uh, and uh, it is, to me, a, a shallow... And horrible thing, because you're worshipping a body, right? Oh, she's got a great body. But body is also the synonym for dead, right? Oh, like you were saying in that video. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just like you were saying in the, in the recent uh, in the corporatism video. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite right. Um, so there's a kind of... Uh, a death here uh, with this worship. And again, this is all completely against your values. Okay, so we've got the large city and the Nazis just do the fourth dream, and we'll maybe do those two together. Sure. Uh, fourth dream. I'm sitting in the back of my father's van. It's, it's actually the old green van he used to have, the one that I, I helped him renovate. Um, back in the uh, early 80s. Um, I'm sitting back there along with my brother John and my brother Tom. Uh, we're all adults, just as an FYI. Um, I've got a box of automotive parts from my car um, sitting between my legs on the floor of the van. Uh, and we're driving all over the country looking for... There's a house we're supposed to be um, staying in for vacation, and we're looking for it. And my father's just kind of randomly driving around looking for this place, not sure where to go or why. Um, despite how long we're driving, which to me in the dream, it felt like we were driving for days. <laughs> but uh, it's always midday outside. It's, the time of day never changes. 
I remember at one point, uh, my father leaves the road entirely, and we're driving across a huge farmer's field that had recently been graded smooth. We follow the power line towers um, while we're driving through this field, apparently in an effort to find another road. I remember, <laughs> I remember arguing with him about which direction we were supposed to be going and why wasn't he listening to me and how did he expect to get anywhere this way and so on. Eventually, we find our way back to uh, a residential street um, that dead-ended at, uh, at the farmer's field. And that's the farmer's field. So you we're driving, driving along? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so we're driving through this residential neighborhood. I'm sorry, and how, I so basically it looked, you went in a big circle, right? Because you're driving across this field. No, we were on a we were we were we were like on a highway or an expressway. We no, but you go off you go off road and you go on a field. You end up on a residential street that leads you back to the field you were on before. Is that right? No, no, no. Oh, no, we're on this field. After we cut off the expressway, we're on this field, and we drive for a long distance following these power line towers. Right. Um, and we, we come to the end of the field and, and um, drive up onto a, a residential street um, that dead ends at the field. If that makes any sense, it doesn't make so sense we're to me. Driving up does it mean that it loops around like an upside down U and ends back up on the field that you started from? No, what I mean is that um, the end of the street is where we come up off the field. Okay, I got. Oh, so you're going. It de- so you're driving north, but it dead ends south, and so you keep going north. Right. Okay. Right. Exactly. Got it. Got it. Sorry. Go on. Right. Right. So. Um, so we're driving through this residential neighborhood, and I think it looks like the place uh, in which we're supposed to find this particular vacation house. Um, I, uh, after the fact, after writing this down, I recognize from the dream uh, both a child's playground and the entrance to a forest preserve footpath. Um, and I'm not sure why that's significant. Um, in the preserve, dream, sorry, I remember that's, uh, where the government owns a particular slice of land and doesn't lease it for development. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's quite right. <laughs> um, uh, in the dream, I rem- uh, I try to tell my father that uh, this looks like the neighborhood we're supposed to be in, uh, but he refuses to listen to me again. Uh, we get back out onto the main highway again and then continue on. Uh, at some point, uh, his, contr- his cru- either his cruise control or his transmission starts acting up, and the van starts going really, really slow. He knows exactly what's wrong and insists that I give him a certain part from the box of parts that I have with me in order to fix it. I remember arguing with him that... Um, they were my parts, and that uh, he'd have to replace them for me, and that they wouldn't fit the van. Um, but he took them anyway, and somehow it worked. Um, and the dream ends um, uh, as we get back on our way. Sorry, in, the, in the dream um, that you wrote, it, it doesn't say that it works, but, but it does, right? I'm just following right, on Right, yeah, that. exactly. Okay, so it works, the car speeds yeah. up, and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Right. The car speeds up and we move up. Uh, we 
we keep going. And and also um, something I forgot to mention when writing the dream down was that my cell phone kept ringing in the dream and I kept checking it and it was my mom and I kept trying to answer the phone, but the signal kept cutting out and the phone would hang up before I could answer it. Right. Okay. All right. And uh, did you ever go on a vacation with your father and John and Tom? Um, well, as kids, we every summer used to take these long road trips with my dad. We being just uh, the whole the family. Oh, so it's the whole family. So there wasn't a time in real life where you and your brother, Tom and John and your dad went somewhere. This is different, right? Right. This is, this is very different than what it would have been like. Was this a real van in real life? The van was real. The van was a 79 Chevy van, 20, that was originally a cargo van that um, I spent an entire summer renovating um, as kind of a personal project um, with my father's help. Right. And um, when you say sitting in the back, I mean, I have an image of, you know, like those sort of ribbed metal floors with, you know, like maybe a, uh, I don't know, a sack of some kind to sit on. But was it, was it? finished so to speak inside yeah the, the renovations were complete the van that i was sitting in in the dream was the van that was completed so there was a we had plywood floor with carpeting laid down and we built our own bench seat in the back with cushions and the bench seat could actually unfold into a bed and it was kind of cool but all right. Um, and your father in real life, when he would get lost, was he like traditional guy or was he, I mean, how would, how would it, how would he handle it? Because in driving vacations, right, everybody gets lost. That's inevitable, right? And what, right. what happened? Well, typically what would happen is, uh, especially on these vacations, is one of the five of us sons would be designated quote unquote navigator, right? And uh, it would be our responsibility to make sure that he was going in the right direction. So this would be like and, disaster and so when, scapegoat, right? Yeah, exactly. Like so when something that, went wrong, doomed, right? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly Don't right. Don't make me no. Right. Yeah. No. I understand. Right. Okay. We were supposed to get all three exits ago. Why didn't you say something? Or you'd be asked I'm for sorry, an instant dear. decision, and you'd be looking at a map, and you'd be like, just left or right, left or right, left or right. Anyway, so, okay. Exactly. Yeah, That's no, exactly I've, I've right. traveled with family, too. I, I know that it can be depressively the same. Okay. All right. So we'll jump back, just go very briefly over some large city. This is the dream before on side with the corner. Attack helicopters everywhere flying between the rows and columns of buildings. Firing guns dropping bombs. City and state of pandemonium. The streets are clogged uh, with drivers trying to escape. Men and women are running everywhere. I realize you're with your father and your brother John. Another thing I noticed, the bombs being dropped. Don't explode on impact. They seem to be mistimed for this altitude, so I take it upon myself to collect the ones dropping near us, running down a relatively unoccupied street or alley and chucking them as hard as I can down the street. So you're grabbing these shells and you're throwing them down so that they, when they explode, uh, they don't hurt people, right? Right, right, exactly. So I remember looking at the women in these streets and thinking to myself, um, now is not really the time for that. And time for that means going up and saying, how you doing? I mean, what, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just kind of scoping for chicks while I'm trying to rescue my, myself and my family. Right? Well, actually, you're not trying to rescue yourself and your family. 
if I understand the dream, and maybe I don't, right? But aren't you just grabbing bombs and throwing them somewhere else? Is that to protect your family or is that to protect others or? Well, it's actually both. Um, I don't want the shells to explode near me and I don't want them to explode near anyone else. So I'm frantically looking for as empty uh, streets as I can find to throw these things into so that when they do explode, no one's going to get hurt or as few people as possible. Okay. Okay. So it's, it's not, it's not entirely specific to my family, but um, they're an element, a part of that. Right? And why? Uh, sorry. And what are you? What are your family uh, doing? What is your family doing at this point? Uh, my father and it was it was my father and my brother John in this dream, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're they're just standing there. Okay, all right. So then they're just uh, kind of standing. You run down an alley filled with Nazi soldiers, all sitting on crates around a sort of makeshift campfire. You have a large bomb in your hands. You decide to try and kill them. I slam the nose of the bomb into the pavement to break up the innards. The bombs are all shaped like cylindrical projectiles with round tips and fins on the back. I promise not to turn that into a penis, uh, hoping that it will detonate more quickly. <laughs> then I toss it into the group of Nazis who then kiss it and rub it with baby oil. No, sorry. Uh, it hits the pavement with a clatter, bounces off one of the crates and lands at the feet of the Nazi. They all turn to look at it. So basically it doesn't go off, right? Right. Right, that's exactly right. Total dead, uh, dud. It's a dud. Uh, so this is interesting, of mm-hmm. course. So let's just start at the end here. Because if you've got, first of all, attack helicopters and Nazis don't really go hand in hand, right? I mean, no, I don't remember right. that the state of helicopter technology was such during the Second World War that you had a whole bunch of attack helicopters, right? It took Right, it's completely disparate. Right, right. Right. And that sense of timelessness or no time is also in the next part of the dream. No matter how long you're driving, it's always midday, right? So it's like you're following the sun almost, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Now, the interesting thing is that if the attack helicopters are attacking the city as they are, and the city has Nazis in it, then the attack helicopters are, quote, the good guys, right? Mm-hmm. Right, because they're attacking the Nazi city, right? No, the Nazis were occupying it, but the people weren't Nazis. But if the Nazis are occupying the city and the helicopters are attacking the Nazis, we assume, right, then the helicopters have to be, quote, the good guys. Again, tell me if I'm way off base, but that's sort of what, what would seem to me logically. Well, the the flow of the dream... I felt like both were enemies uh, to me, but I felt also like um, the, 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 attack hel- the people in the attack helicopters or the attack helicopters themselves and the Nazis were two different groups of enemies. They weren't necessarily friends, but they weren't attacking each other. They weren't attacking each other. Sense. So who were the helicopters now, attacking? The people in the streets. Just the civilians right. in the streets. Okay, okay. Now, if you were in this situation... But it did feel like Sorry, they weren't... But it did feel like they were not... That the attack helicopters and the Nazis were not allies. No, I get that for sure. I get that for sure. Okay. Um... 
Now, if you were in this, if you were in this real life situation, uh, what would you do? I would get the hell out of Dodge as fast as I could. Well, uh, yeah, my um, guess is that you would either try and escape, uh, which to me would be less likely to to sort of help you survive. But the more likely thing, if I understand the dream correctly, would be to find a basement or something, right? Yeah, find some place to hide until the siege is over. Right, right because although... Uh, now, do, do you actually see any of these bombs go off? Um, that's interesting. I know that they're going off somewhere, but nowhere in the dream do I visibly see any of them go off. Right, because the bombs like I can hear you're trying to protect people from, but they don't actually seem to be going off. But of course, it's the firing of the guns that would be also really dangerous in this situation, right? Because you can't do much about the bullets, right? Right, and that's interesting too, because I know the guns were being fired, but nobody was falling over dead. Right. Okay. So it's almost it's it has a kind of video game feel to it. Yeah. Yeah, it does. You know, like it's uh, it's simulated, yeah. right? Because it's like the bombs aren't really going off. They're mistimed. You have to collect these bombs and save your family. Like it seems almost like a video game level. <laughs> yeah, but you, putting it in that in those terms, that that's exactly how it felt. That dream, yeah. Very and there is so. an air of comedy, yeah. to it, right? Because you're running around trying to get these bombs, and then you're like, "Hey, how you doing? No, wait, there's no time for that now. I've got to get these bombs." You know that kind of stuff, right? It's almost like a, a, a right. burlesque or vaudeville, right? Yeah, yeah, that's quite right. And there is this, um, also this comedic aspect, or vaguely comedic aspect, you know, where you roll the bomb to the Nazis and, and they, it doesn't go off and, and you're like, oh shit, I've had it now, right? It, it's almost like a comedy. Yeah, there is kind of a comic element to this whole dream. That's interesting. It didn't even occur to me until you sort of brought it up, but... But yeah, it's kind of funny. Well, we, um, we both know, and everybody who's had dreams knows, um, that dreams have no particular problem being staggeringly horrifying, right? Yeah. I mean, if, if, yeah, if this true. dream wanted to show you a, a city being bombed, right? Right? You'd see babies' heads flying through the air. You'd see, you know, arms embedded in walls. You'd see buildings collapsing on nuns and, like, you, the the dream can uh, our dream centers can produce those kinds of images if they want, right? Oh yeah, and I've I've had some really horrifying images in the past like that as well, for sure. Absolutely. Right. So so the fact that there are these attack helicopters who aren't really hurting anyone, and um, you're pausing, thinking like, well, I'd like to scope these chicks, but hey, you know, I got to deal with these bombs and. You know, these comic scenes, the rolling bombs at Nazis that don't go off, and, and, and the Nazis are just sitting around, they're not fighting back. They're like, it, it's kind of like not real, right? Yeah, yeah, it's totally surreal. Right. It's quite right. Okay, okay. Um, but, but again, and similar to the previous dream, there is this um, uh, a certain amount of sexuality or romanticism is floating around because in the previous dream you're part of a group of shallow frat guys trying to snag pretty women and in this dream you know well I'd like to chat up these women but now's not the time I've got to roll these bombs to safety that don't seem to go off and you know that kind of it, 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 there is that aspect to it right 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 yeah that's definitely true right okay that's a, and also in the, there's some of that in the first dream too and there is, in these last two dreams, 
And I'm trying to think about the first two, de- two dreams. Uh, in the first dream and the, the third dream and the fourth dream, uh, so in the, um, the cruise ship, uh, the, the helicopter attack and your father's van, there is, to me, a strong sense of helplessness and ineffectiveness. Right? So in the first dream, you're like, oh, I'm taking down this drug lord, right? But you're not. You're actually being taken down by a drug lord with the suggested implication that your brother is ratting you out, right? Right. And right, quite uh, right. in the uh, third dream, you're supposed to be saving everyone from these bombs and bullets that aren't actually hurting them. It's kind of futile, right? right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And in the fourth exactly dream, right. you are trying to get your father to change his course of behavior based on some kind of rational criteria, right? Yeah. yeah Something you've mentioned about absolutely. your father, you know, he goes off the highway and he goes onto a farmer's field, right? Usually not a good way to take a shortcut. Um, that's kind of like a boundary violation. I mean, it's psychological. Yeah, and, and not even... And not even sure it's a it's a a shortcut just randomly going off onto this farmer's field for no reason apparently. Right, it's it's no respect for property and and common sense and whatever, right? Right. Not stopping to ask for help and so on. And you the whole time in the dream, it seems to me you're you're arguing. Oh, we're supposed to be doing this. This would make more sense. This would make more sense. This and he's not listening to you, right? And that's that's interesting too that that, that you say that because. Um, Common sense was a uh, that in quotes air quotes was something that he used to rail about all the time. But then he was prone to these sort of flights of ridiculousness himself. Right. right. And um, it, you, something you said to me about your father, where his phrase was, you know, there's the there's three ways of doing things. You know, the the right way, the wrong way, and the Gautier way. Right. In other words, we, yeah. we live in a narcissistic dimension all of our own where willpower equals positive results. Yeah. You know, don't, don't yeah, bother me with exactly your facts, right. son, right? Right. No, that's quite right. Willpower was another one of those air quote phrases that he liked to use a lot as well. Right. And um, the interesting thing, what you didn't write in the post and what you said was that after all of this not listening to you and you stuck in this this van which has no time right it's always midday no matter what happens you're there you're going for days but the sun never goes down and so on and that indicates like a a moment that doesn't end you know which is kind of the definition of trauma right ptsd is the moment that does not end right i mean to That's interesting. Right, because you have one, and and this can happen even with a single traumatic incident. It can be a car crash or something, but it's the moment that doesn't end, and it's uh, the replaying of it and so on. It's it's the broken record that that results from from trauma. And the interesting thing is that you're sitting on this box of tools, and the, the, the van gets stuck in first gear or doesn't work or something like that, and uh, your, you say to your father, your father wants to fix the van, and he wants your tools, right? Right. The, particularly, there, there are two parts in the box that he, uh, he knows will fix the van, and I'm saying, no, these are from my car. They're not for the van. They're not going to fit. Right. 
And if if you take them, you're going to have to replace them because I have to make my car work. Right. right. Now, again, not to get overly phallic, but the tools from between your legs, I'm just saying, right? It may be something something to consider. Um, if you'd said ball peen hammer, we would have been home free. But uh, we'll just we'll <laughs> stop with this for the moment, right? But um, uh, Sure. Uh, I mean, that's just – there is some indication of that. But the interesting thing is that you say – that when I give my father my tools, uh, he, he fixes the van and it works, right? Yeah. Which seems to indicate a positive outcome, right? Yeah. But really, it's not a positive outcome. Because now you get to go back into the eternally noon moment that never ends trip to nowhere forever, right? (laughs) Yay, we fixed the van. Now I get to go back in and not be listened to forever, right? Right, right. Whereas if it stays broken down, then we have to figure something else out. Right, and you also talked about fixing up your father's van as a personal pet project. Yeah, that was something I did in reality. No, no, I I understand that you did that in reality, but... When I was um, strongly doubt that it was a personal pet project. Thirteen or fourteen. You probably did that too, because you know, given how violent and ugly your family was, you probably did that to get away from them. You probably did that to get them off your back. You, it was like your solitary cave or, or something like that, right? But it probably wasn't just a funzy, funzy personal pet project. Right? Well, there was definitely an element of escape in it for me, for sure. I I got a lot of pleasure about, uh, out of uh, um, going out in the afternoon after my schoolwork and, and just spending hours out there working on it until, you know, 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. You know, even after my dad had gone in and gone to bed, I'd still be working on it. Right. Right. And it was the, sort of the one time that I could kind of interact with him without it being, you know, weird and obnoxious and 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 sort of either frustrating or painful, you know. <laughs> and in this last part of the dream, were you an adult uh, of the age you are now, or was it some other time? Yeah, we're all adults at this point in the dream. Uh, actually, throughout the dream. Um, my brother John, my brother Tom, and myself were all adults sitting on the back bench. Right, right. Which is which is odd because um, that van is long gone. It's been gone for decades. Right, right. And here we have also, I think, quite uh, an interesting situation of betrayal of values uh, because you would not do this as an adult, right? Oh, hell no. And uh, No way. And if we look at the, the Nazi dream, you are working like hell to protect your family who is not working like hell to protect you, right? Or themselves, for that matter. Yeah, or themselves. The dream. And, of course, in the first dream, you are, in a way, working to protect people uh, who you would not respect, right, and fighting drug dealers or whatever. And your brother, when you're being put into a crate, you're not betraying your brother, right? You're not saying, well, he's with me, or or I'll tell you who else is with me if you let me live, right? No, that's quite right. I'm not doing that. Right, and your brother is not. So you're still working to protect your family who is not 
working to protect you, right? Right, right. And in the, the dream with the van, you are uh, working to engage with your family in a rational debate or your father, uh, and yet your father is not returning the favor, right? Right, right. Trying to trying to help the situation and getting uh, sort of um, rejection in, uh, in response. Right, but you're providing the illusion of some sort of interaction by trying to interact with somebody who obviously is not being rational or interacting with you in a rational way, right? That's right. So that's, uh, that's I right. think that's important uh, as well. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that does sound um, relevant. So the question is, what am I... What value am I trying? What what value have I been sort of betraying in my waking life that these dreams are trying to tell me about? And also, um, if the last point is true, <laughs> who is it that I've been engaging with? that would be sort of a representation of that. Well, that's a, that's a good question. Right? Right, so, right, so pretending to have rational discourse with somebody who's not interested in rational discourse. Hmm. I mean, do you, do you, I mean, do you want to hint, or do you want to do you want to do it yourself? What's your pleasure? Um, well, if you have some idea, I'd be glad to hear. Well, I mean, I, um, I, I'll just talk about my own experience with my family, which is not to say that this that means may have nothing to do with your experience with your family, but um, mm -hmm. and this is not just my family, but the people I've talked to, right? The, the, the the great enemy of principles is, uh, is is trauma right because because just trauma creates um, splitting and schisms and excuses for bad people and uh, a nihilism within the self and a conformity to the irrational preferences and aggressions of others and right the the, the trauma particularly abuse particularly from family members shatters the self of the identity and philosophy by attempting to provide insight and consistent principles is, I think, uh, has the specific goal, not its only goal, but a specific goal of, of re-knitting together back the fragmented identity that is like, you know, it's like you take a cane. If you've ever seen the first Superman movie with Gene Hackman and Christopher Reeve, at one point Gene Hackman is talking about using a nuke to hit the San Andreas Fault in California to break California off into the sea and have a whole new bunch of beachfront properties. It's really quite a wild scheme. But what he does is he takes his cane uh, and he slams it into a glass map of California, which creates these radiating starbursts of, uh, of cracks, right? And, and that's what trauma does right. to the personality. It, it, it does, you know, the, the self should be a mirror held up to reality and when we are traumatized, particularly by family, and particularly for long periods of time, which seems to be often the case where trauma exists, the we we have to kind of piece together the world from these fragments, 
which are very hard to, to unite into a cohesive whole. And philosophy applies the great heat of principles and scalding self-examination not to repair the glass, which can't be done, but to rather melt it so that it can, so that when it cools, it is whole again, right? Right, right. Right, so in a sense, the original self is, uh, in essence, still there, but the original self as it originally was could never be there again. Yeah, no, I mean, we, we can never be uh, who we are. Uh, with a, if we've experienced that kind of trauma, we can never be who we would be if we hadn't. But we can be better, right? right. It's the $6 million man, right? I mean, <laughs> better yeah. or faster well, or stronger, right? Well, different for sure. Uh, no, better, I think. Uh, I think better. But I mean, that's just, we can go into that another time. But, but I, think, I think better. I think that um, the culture is such that the people, even those people who are raised in a, a, a sort of healthy uh, or, or normal uh, or non-aggressive environment uh, still have a great deal of problem because they are raised by uh, healthy and non-aggressive families within a corrupt and irrational cultural environment, right? Right, right, quite right. So, um, so in these dreams, there is uh, uh, there's three directly about families involving uh, and, and male. Uh, they're all about men, right? Right. No yeah, women that's... in these dreams, other than two quasi-sexual objects, right? But which is a sort of tr- right. traditionally, you know, man-pig perspective, right? Yeah, that's quite right. Right, so yeah. it's it's all about men, and uh, there are some, you know, some phallic, uh, some fa- so there is some phallic and sexual stuff floating around, which you know is just a you know it's a by the by. It's nothing that I think needs to be particularly focused on, but sure. it, it is around uh, men, uh, you know, ma- male drug dealers, your frat boy buddies, uh, the uh, Nazis, and the helicopter pilots, and your brothers. And the women are only around as, you know, sexual things to be pursued or at least considered pursuing in the middle of a, uh, an air raid. And, uh, and, of course, in the last dream, your mom can't get through. It's nothing but men in the van. And so it's really around uh, – these dreams are all about masculinity, in my, in my opinion. And it's all about a pecking order and um, uh, who has power, That's interesting. right? What and those who have power uh, are defeating you every time, right? That's interesting, right? So in the first dream, that would be actually, would that wouldn't even be John? That would be myself, right? Self defeating. Well, uh, that's what I was going to get to next. So I mean, excellent leap, right? So uh, if you put yourself into situations where you don't reference your values, you will always lose. Because if you reference right. your values, you're very likely not going to be in those situations to begin with. No, quite right. Quite right. I wouldn't even be on that ship, let alone acting in some sort of um, police capacity. Right. So in in the like philosophy, like in terms of of mastery in the world, right? We we to my mind, we either go for self knowledge and philosophy, which gives us mastery over self and reality, um, or mm-hmm. we go for dominance over others, right? Right, right, which is which is why the hierarchy 
Right. right. Now, if, if you're going to devote yourself to dominance over others, you simply cannot get exposed to philosophy. <laughs> because philosophy will trip you up every time when you go for that, right? Sure. And kind of mess you up inside, too. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's why, you know, the social metaphysicians, as Rand calls them, are so hostile towards, you know, self-knowledge and empiricism and philosophy, right? Because it, right. it, it destroys... Because power over others is all about UPB violations, right? Creating separate rules for you than for other people and, and using intimidation. And it's all about um, uh, control over others. Power over others is all about having them avoid self-knowledge so that you can continue to hook into the traps left by their history, right? Right. Having, having awareness of that in order to be able to use it as a tool against them, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, it's tough. It, it's a lot tougher to be intimidated by authority figures when you've dealt with your own fear of authority figures in your history, right? Right. There's not this big right. button which Quite you right. can't see that they push and you just do whatever they want, right? Quite right. Right. Quite so right. principles and self-knowledge, philosophy and psychology, are the two things that uh, manipulators and controllers and abusers uh, hate you know, with, with, with a passion, right? Yeah, and we've certainly seen plenty of that. Uh, yeah, I think we sure. have, right? So in this dream, there's, you know, uh, you don't reference your values. And you don't notice that you're not referencing your values, right? Because if you know that you're not referencing your values, you could do something about it, right? Right, right, exactly. Like in the van dream, I could have just simply not gone on the trip, or oh, you I could have, have said, "Look, if you're not going I'm not having, I'm not enjoying myself. Uh, I want you to stop the car. I have a cell phone, so I can call for help, and I'll get a cab, and I'll or I'll get a plane. I'll go do something else. I'm an adult, right? Right." Or right. fundamentally, I don't uh, like my family of origin, so I'm not sure. You'd, you'd wake up in the dream, and, the, and you'd go like, well, what the hell am I doing here? I don't want to be here. And you'd uh, get, tell your father to stop the van, and you'd get out, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. But in the dreams, exactly you don't right. reference. There's no philosophy. There's no self-knowledge, right? There's just a kind of pathetic bleating to try and control or manage situations which, uh, in, in which you fail, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're just kind of a, a repetition of my conscious patterns over the last 20 years or so. Sure, absolutely. Uh, and, and, you know, we've all been there. And I found that applying philosophical principles to friendships and family and personal relationships is, is the very hardest thing, right? That's why we spent some time in this conversation uh, as a whole, right, in FER as a whole, focusing on, on just this challenge, right? Because if we're going to be philosophers and we're going to pursue wisdom, truth, and self-knowledge, then we want to do it, right? We don't want to just read about it, right? So if we're going to, uh, if we want to become experts in kung fu, then we should. We have to do more than read books about kung fu. We actually have to do it. We have to get into the ring. We have to spar. We have to stretch. We have to practice, 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 right? You can't read books about being a pianist and think that you can then play Fur Elise or something like that, right? Right. You actually right. have Quite to right. do it, and and. Of course, a lot of what is called philosophy uh, is, is about talking about it, right? It's about blogging about it. And this is true of libertarianism as well, right? Uh, it's about right. uh, well, writing about the Fed and Lincoln and all the stuff which, which I've uh, talked about before. And it's not about um, you know, examining the non-aggression principle in the spheres that you can actually do something 
about, right? Which is your relationships and the relationships with those with those around you, right? So, you know, it's, it's all right. about FEMA camps and 9-11. It's not about where the real aggression lives in society, which is in people's personal relations, in, right? In our personal relationships, that's exactly right. And the fact that principle... There's no, I mean, principle doesn't have a a boundary line, right? It's it's um, it either applies to everything or it doesn't. Right? Sorry, can you say that again? Prin- principles um, either apply to everything, including our personal relationships, or they they don't apply at all, right? Right, right. No, I I can certainly uh, I can certainly understand that. Right. So there's no there's no boundary where you can say, well, you know, my this principle of non-aggression or anti-violence or whatever uh, only applies to, um, you know, um, the church or the state or you know the Fed or whatever, and not apply to uh, the way that I'm behaving toward people, um, you know, in my personal life or. In correspondence, or on the phone, or or whoever, wherever, right? right? Or as so many tragic libertarians do, right? They say, uh, status schools are an indoctrination in irrational obedience to an irrational authority, and that's really bad. And so, I want to send my kid to Sunday school or Christian school instead, right? <laughs> right, right, exactly. That's exactly right. So, I think in these dreams, uh, it's uh, it's a a window into um, a life without values. Mm. Mm. And so you it may don't be, see it. it may be that you're living a life without values, so I don't think that's the case. But it also may be your way of understanding what it's like for others in the world. Oh, oh. Like, cause that's it's, it's a very tough point. thing to empathize with people who don't have reference to values. But this dream, I think, is giving you a sense of what it's like to live without values, truth, and philosophy, and without even knowing that you don't have them. Right. Which is right. just that reacting in the moment to attempt to get your way and influence other people, and it's all moments, it's all moment, 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 right? Right, right, right. That's quite right. So kind of, yeah, that, yeah, I, would, I wondered if they were warning dreams or what, but this, this actually makes more sense, this kind of... Uh, well, it's all, I mean, since it's all about men and the challenges that you've had uh, with your family revolve around men, right? And that your brother is a tougher case for you to process than your mother, right? Um, yeah, that's quite true. Right. I think it's, I think it's a way uh, for you. It's a possible way. It's possible that it's a way for you to get into the skin of other people because you don't live a life without values. In fact, you live a life in hot pursuit of values, which for you and for me and for everyone doesn't mean that we always apply them consistently but but that's a goal and you usually have some idea when you're not pursuing your values or or living philosophically or avoiding self-knowledge you usually have some idea about that and of course you're in a community of like-minded people who tell you if they notice that or whatever right so i don't think that the dreams are fundamentally about you but i think it's about trying to really get what other people who reject philosophy and self-knowledge, what their lives are like. Yeah, and that that makes a lot of sense to me because one of the things I have been focusing on the last couple of weeks, a couple months, in fact, is to try and um, uh, elevate 
the level of empathy that I have for people um, sort of outside this conversation. So that kind of makes sense. Well, I think that that's certainly one thing. Um, and, and I've talked uh, um, uh, recently about, uh, in the parenting podcast actually, about how uh, now that I have a daughter or a child, uh, people who harm children uh, are are staggeringly and incomprehensibly alien and foreign to me now, in a way that they weren't before. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 quite true. And if we if we develop self knowledge, and and an understanding of truth and reality, but we do not at the same time develop empathy, which is not to say sympathy, but empathy with those who oppose and have no access to these things, we are in danger, right? Right, because without, uh, without an understanding of uh, what those people are like inside, um, they have the capacity to sort of not, 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 um, not necessarily um, control you, but to surprise you, right? I would say control. Um, really? Yeah, I would. For sure. I would. How, and and how not just you, work? but control me. Can I? Because if if you think about it, right, the amount of energy over the last six months that you poured into thinking about your brother is prodigious, right? It's probably one of been been one of the biggest topics in your thoughts, right? Yeah, that's true. That's very true. And it's not like he's controlling you, but but the thoughts are dominating and remain, or at least have been very difficult to resolve, right? Right. His uh, his sort of inexplicable self in me is what's been controlling me. Right. Whereas if you empathize right. with what a life is like lived in the in opposition to truth and self knowledge, then it's easier to not have those people in your life. But you have to empathize with them first. Right. Right. And, and the reason we try and empathize with them is so that if there's any possibility, then, you know, we can be turned around. But um, g getting into the heads of empty people is really tough. But once we've done it, then they're not tempting to us. And because they're not tempting to us, we don't own why things didn't work out. And because they're not tempting to us, they can't dominate our thinking. Right. And it, and it is true that uh, um, he's been very tempting to me. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That's, and it's, I think that's why it's significant that he's present in uh, three out of the four dreams, right? Right. And... Um, and in the one dream where he's not present, n nobody from my family is present. So, right, right. So that, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So this maybe still has something to do with um, something to do with. Um, it definitely has something to do with empathizing with him. Right. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Which is interesting. 
and because all the dreams are to become free of the thoughts, right? To get closure. Right, right, quite right. Right, because right, because like, as you say, that 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 sort of desire to want to. Well, it's it's realizing how distant we and... are from these people, right? Right, those who pursue wisdom and self knowledge, right. and uh, uh, who no longer project or exploit, or at least fight those tendencies within themselves. Those of us who do that end up in in fundamental opposition to the people who avoid or or reject or attack that. Right, right, and that distance is pr is pretty visible in these dreams too, right? Because in the first dream. I don't actually talk to him at all, and the only time that I can visibly see him is he's standing off at a distance from me. Well, no one interacts right. with you at all in these dreams. Right, right, and in the right in the the air raid dream, they're just kind of standing there, silent, not doing anything. Well, it's, and it's in the sort of like dream, they're standing in front of a a movie screen of someone dancing, pretending to dance with them, right? But they're not interacting with you at all. Right. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's a great way to put it because that's exactly what it felt like. It felt like um, there's a script and <laughs> no one can change it, right? Right. Right. Like I, I wasn't having any traction with them at all in the sense of like you described, where they're on a movie screen and I'm trying to influence their behavior, which is kind of ridiculous. Right. 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 And of course, as we've talked about before, this is of course in a sense the free will determinist thing, right? That Free will is something you earn through self-knowledge and wisdom and humility, right? Right, right. And uh, people right. who don't, who, who lack self-knowledge, uh, are drawn towards determinism because they are fundamentally defensive, and defenses are reactions. They are not choices. And so everything, feel, you feel like a machine because in a way you are, right? Sure. And in sure. this, in these dreams, there's a kind of machine-like aspect to what you're doing. It's not empirical. It's not sensitive to the situations. It's not based on your values. It's just trying to struggling to survive the moment, which is again the PTSD thing. Struggling to survive the eternal right. moment, right? Right. Playing playing the part of a component in a machine. Right. 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 Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly right. All right. So then, the 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 the, um, the the violation of values then um, is more is more of a representation rather than a warning. Yeah, it is, but it is a warning for you as well, right? Because if you remember what your life was like before values, then you can understand what people's life in the present is like without values. Oh, oh, oh! Right, right, right. Nope, that makes good sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you acted badly, as we all did, when you didn't have principles, right? I mean, I'm not saying oh, yeah. only acted badly, but, you know, it, it happens, right? Right. Well, with minus, minus principles, there's no way to really... Um, there's no way to be sure of when you're acting well or when you're acting badly, right? Minus well, principles, there is, there's no... That it requires a kind of emotional self-sensitivity to understand that it makes you unhappy which you don't have in the absence of self-knowledge, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I mean, it's That's like when, right. when you broke a computer in front of your brother, it wasn't like you felt really great about that, right? 
Right. No, I, yeah, I was pretty horrified by that. Right. Frankly. But it, there's no. no way to, to extract a principle and, and pursue a path of, uh, in a sense, redemption without self-knowledge and, and philosophy, right? So it just becomes, well, that was bad. I shouldn't do that again, right? And, oh, oh, that was bad. I shouldn't do that again. And you basically end up passing all these laws against yourself and becoming a dictatorship, which scarcely brings happiness, right? Yeah, that's exactly what it was like. It was stumbling from mistake to mistake and constantly uh, um, constricting my behavior as the as the mistakes would accumulate, right? Right, right. Right, that's exactly right. All right. Well, I think we've had a uh, a good trip through the uh, the dreams, and I'm, it was a uh, was it helpful and useful to to you? Oh yeah, very much so. I I really appreciate the uh, the opportunity to pick these apart because uh, sometimes when they come in in waves like this, um, oh you you can't uh, figure out yourself any more than I can figure out my own dreams. I mean, it is something that you have to do in conversation. Yeah, and it's it's so rare to find somebody who's 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 not just good at this but willing to as well. Right, um, and and uh, has a value set that is you know somewhat respectable, right? Right, right, right. That's this means Jesus wants um, to reconnect with your family. Right, right. <laughs> right, exactly. Not good. No, this has been very helpful, and I really appreciate it. Oh, you're totally welcome. Uh, we do have time if somebody has another quick question or wants to jump in at the end or wants to scorn dream analysis as a whole. Um, always happy to get those kinds of perspectives, which are always worth examining. If uh, anybody wants to jump in at the end, I think uh, we have a few minutes before Isabella's head completely explodes. <coughs> Darling, what's the matter, sweet dumbs? Do you want to not be held up just by your foot? Let's try the other foot. Her legs are getting very long. Not, bo not both of them. One of them, yes. How do you... Oh, what you do is, as Christina eloquently puts it, you throw a boob at it. <laughs> ah, I do remember the honeymoon. How do I get my husband away from the buffet? <laughs> throw a boob at him. All right. I don't think we have any other questions. I really do uh, appreciate. Uh, thanks, Greg, uh, for bringing those dreams up. I'm glad that we had a chance to work through them. And um, I uh, uh, I appreciate the honesty and vulnerability in that, uh, in that, uh, in bringing those dreams forward and working through it in that way. And uh, obviously, you could spend much more time on, on these dreams and we did have to skim because there were four. But I think we got some very useful stuff out of it anyway. And uh, this, uh, I will count this as four podcasts to uh, hit my obsessive number uh, per week. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much, of course, to the donators and the subscribers. Uh, if you do get a chance, if you could post the corporations video uh, around, I would really appreciate that. Um, I've um, I've put it on StumbleUpon and, and Dig and so on. So if you go to the videos page down at the bottom, I think you can uh, do that as well. And uh, I really do appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for the people who gave the kind feedback to um, ask a, uh, to the parenting uh, part five, which was posted, um, where we talk about our <laughs> inability to impose uh, things upon 
Isabella and someone in the chat room, I think, quite wisely pointed out that central planning doesn't work in parenting any more than it does in economics, which I thought was a, a very intelligent and, and uh, insightful thing to say. And uh, I will uh, talk to you guys uh, same time next week. And thanks again so much for everything that you do to make this conversation so successful. All the best.